This week's episode is brought to you by, you guessed it, Audible. But seriously, you read books and you listen to podcasts. Why aren't you using Audible yet? It's time to finally join and support our show at the same time by going to audibletrial.com forward slash genre and sign up for your 30-day trial and get a free audiobook. Like maybe this week's book, The Hazelwood? Hmm, there's a thought. That's audibletrial.com forward slash genre for your free 30-day trial. G-E-N-R-E. Weirdo bookworms unite! We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Fans of horror, sci-fi, fantasy, and more can stop by as we chat about what we've been reading. Hello, genre junkies! Hi, everybody! Hey, that's Scott! Hi, Scott! Hi, Sandra! Hey, so welcome back to our show, and tonight we are talking about a fantasy book. Yay, fantasy! Yay, fantasy! Oh, and what a book we have, people. Calgon, take me away. I mean, The Hazelwood by Melissa Albert. Yes, indeed. And this was unknown to me. Um, There's some hype around this book that I'm aware of in the uh, bookish communities that I run with, and I was really excited to read this book. I don't want to overhype it for you people, but let me just say I'm in love and I don't care who knows it. Yeah, I think this is going to be a very gushing episode. It is. So we're going to try to restrain ourselves. You know, maybe you're not interested in this. I'm hoping we can change your mind and you'll give it a try. I guess I should tell everybody what it's about in case they don't know. Please do. All right. The Hazelwood by Melissa Albert. Alice Proserpine has spent the whole 17 years of her life traveling from place to place, never settling down with her free-spirited mother. Bad luck follows them everywhere they go. Just when it seems that their lives could be settling down, Alice's mother is kidnapped. Alice has never met her grandmother, the famous novelist Althea Proserpine. Althea's book of fairy tales has achieved a mysterious cult status, though Alice has been forbidden to read them. And now it seems that the forces who took Alice's mother are straight out of her grandmother's fairy tales. So I think it's appropriate to say that this book kind of hits a lot of fantasy subgenre benchmarks for me. Should I elaborate on that first? I would love you to. So um, I would categorize it as dark fantasy. Yep. And I would categorize it as what I've been taught is looking glass fantasy, where somebody is traveling to another world. Uh, portal fantasy is another world for another word for that, which I love. I love those subgenres. I actually hadn't heard that term, but that's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. How many times can I say okay as I try to mentally prepare myself here? Let me tell you my experience, Gore. Um, this would be obsession. Like, I'm sorry, there's no other word for this. And this is kind of a nerdy bookworm podcast. So while a part of me wants to not overhype things, I cannot contain myself because I literally want to just shove this book into the hands of everybody I come across in life. Uh, man, what an excellent read this book is. It's absolutely... Okay. This book is such an obsession to me, I might actually read it again before I go on to our next book. And that never happens with me, ever. Mm -hmm. uh, I cannot say enough about how much this was exactly the book that I needed to read right now. Oh my god. Yes, I could not put it better. 
I could not put it better. This was like the the book gods like opened their arms and were like, get in here, genre junkies. I've got the novel for you. And it's called The Hazelwood. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And this is one of those dangerous books that like puts you in the mood like, I, I want to devour every piece of fantasy I can get my hands on. But then I'm like, no, no, Sandra, don't do that because you're going to compare everything to this book. So I need to like, massively switch genres and like read something before i even read our next genre junkies pick because i need to like wash this from from my brain yeah this really is a capstone book when it comes to fantasy yes particularly as you called it looking glass fantasy portal um, fantasy whatever the fantasy world is secretly real fantasy yes it's so well executed absolutely so let's just kind of fill in the gaps a little bit before we just keep going on about how we've converted to the religion of melissa albert so this is her first novel that's really surprising it's actually kind of incredible um i mean i'm sure she's been writing for a long time like most writers but this is her first novel and i was shocked by that because of how wonderful it is and also really mad because i'm like but but doesn't she have a back catalog i can read i am genuinely impressed that this is a first novel she must first of all have excellent editors but second of all she has a really great mind for building a story and building a world and and more importantly, her characters oh are my God. so deep and well-realized. I'm going to cut you off before the characters, since we're kind of already rolling on the writing style aspect. Absolutely. I kind of, like, jogged down some notes here. Her writing is gorgeous. She totally has her own voice as a writer, which is always so important, of course. You don't want to read a book and say, like, oh, this could also be so-and-so wrote this book. She totally has her own voice to me. Just gorgeous lyrical writing, beautiful similes, like a few of them that I was like, ooh, that's good. I want to get that, like, tattooed on me. I love that. And some really funny pop culture references. And really relevant ones, and not not done in a way like Ready Player One, not cheesy. tongue in cheek. It's really appropriate for the picture that she's painting. Absolutely. Like, there's more than one reference to Harry Potter, because it's like, come on, if you're reading fantasy books, you, you've read Harry Potter. And a few other things kind of along those lines, some other books she references that I'm aware of that I haven't read, authors, artists, cool, cool stuff. Um, like, she just has, like, a, a coolness about her. That's kind of the only way I can put it. Like, a, a hipness? But it's not the type of thing where if you were to read this book from, t like, ten years from now, you'd be like, I, I don't know what she's referencing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're classic references while being modern. And when it comes to her description, she uses all five senses. Yes. So, so delicately mm -hmm. there's descriptions of sense and tastes and sounds and the way something feels and again using similes to really bring it to life yes um as we've discussed before i'm not always a big fan of over describing things right she's perfect at it she's perfect she really Ooh. brings you into the world yeah while not overstaying her welcome in it <laughs> I think that's really high praise coming from you because we all know how much I love the descriptive nitty gritty stuff, but that's not your style. So that's like a really high compliment coming from you. I thought so. Um, and senses, that's very apt. I totally agree, especially smell. Smell is huge in this book. 
Yes, it is. And it's something that's usually ignored in most books. That was really impressive. And part of her amazing writing style is definitely her characters. Her characters, to me, were so relatable, so believable, so actualized. This is one of those books where I'm like, kind of broken hearted that I'm like, wait, what do you mean these people aren't real? What what do you mean? Like, I don't know them. I totally know them. They're real. I can go find them right now. I, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> these people are not my friends. What's so beautiful about her characters is that they're deeply flawed. Yes. They're, they're not unlikable. Even the most unlikable characters in the book, though, are human beings. And you see that in them. And they really, truly become like real people in this story every single person is a real person to me and that's mm -hmm. incredibly rare absolutely that's something that though i felt a connection with characters from other writers this was the first book i've had in a while where i really felt a deep resonance with these characters and it's like they spent the week in our guest room and we got to know <laughs> them and we cooked meals together and we broke bread together <laughs> i love everything about that including the idea that we have a guest room <laughs> And like a kitchen and like eating area large enough to have other people in. Okay, again, this is a fantasy story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We live in California. It's definitely a fantasy story. <laughs> um, but I'm ching. I digress. Anyway, relatable is definitely key. Uh, flawed, relatable. Those to me in this novel are interchangeable ways to describe these characters because it's not flaw in a bad way. It's flaw like how we're all flawed. Yeah, they're not flaws in a... This person has an unforgivable sin that they're living with. This person has a quirk that is really annoying or really infuriating or or really limiting to the story. Mm -hmm. When it really comes down to it, the character flaws are really just their humanity. They don't play into the plot. They're not a driving force in the characters. It's just who they are. They're just real people. I agree. They are real people. And I will not stand for anybody trying to convince me they are not, including you, Melissa Albert, even you. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about these uh, characters. So our heroine is a lovely girl of 17 named Alice. Now, Alice, in a lot of ways, is a very typical young adult, but in a lot of ways, she's not. Uh, part of that is having grown up in this kind of like wanderer traveler lifestyle of couch surfing and working on apple farms with her mom or artist co-ops. They don't have roots, but she has a strong connection to her mother that has never made her feel homeless. It's almost a Gilmore Girls sort of relationship between them. I know, but you know, I'm sorry, everyone. I'm not a fan of the Gilmore Girls, but uh, I, I get what you're saying. But yeah, it, it's there is very much a mother-daughter, but there's also very much a sister relationship. Yeah. They have a mutual trust for each other, a mutual respect for each other. Yeah. And like, she doesn't call her like mom very often. She doesn't refer to her as mom. She calls her Ella. That's right. And that's kind of a sisterly bond. And her mom definitely like sets boundaries and parameters on her life. But there is like, it's not the typical mom daughter shtick. And I really love their relationship together. Me too. And Alice is also, like, wickedly funny. She's incredibly smart, too. She's well-read. She knows her art and her authors. Um, she has a job. She it seems like she works a lot of little jobs, but this time she's working in a coffee shop when we meet her. And I think that's really cool. As somebody that worked, well, 
from like birth till now. It's not totally true. But I've been working for a really long time, including when I was a teenager. I always admire when teenagers have jobs because I'm like, it makes us a little different from other young people. I can't describe it. It's like a fellowship we share. There's a certain emotional maturity that comes from actually working a job when yeah. you're a teenager that she has. And to say that she's wise beyond her years is actually really incorrect. She is in very many ways a teenager. Definitely. She is a 17-year-old girl with all of the anger issues and emotional outbursts that come with a 17-year-old girl. But there's also just, well, like I said, an emotional... Maturity. Right. Totally. I, I totally agree. And um, I think that's always really nice in YA characters because, I mean, obviously, I mean, you're going to find this book in the YA section. But, you know, here on Genre Junkies, we don't really uh, believe in all that stuff. A, a good book is a good book is a good book. 100% agree. Um, Let's talk about Ella, her mother. So we kind of already touched on her a little bit with her relationship to Alice from Alice's point of view. Uh, Ella's a great character. She's strong. She's also flawed. But she tries to bring beauty and fun into her relationship with Alice. I, I really appreciate that. She's at times very hippie-ish with Aloof. a lot of, you know, Eastern philosophies when it comes to yoga and meditation. And I dig that. But at the other side, she is in a lot of ways a responsible adult holding down all of these jobs. She's a great mother and has, mm -hmm. despite having to move constantly throughout their lives, has created a level of stability with Alice that I don't think many people could really accomplish. I, I totally agree. And I think that's, um, it's really beautiful, these moments that Alice tells us about that could have been scary. I mean, really, her and her mom are basically drifters and homeless and just kind of going town to town, place to place where this bad luck follows them. But her mom always makes everything home. And she's always there for her. And they have a thing together where they always tell the truth. They don't lie to each other. Really, really cool. Cool lady, Ella. You're a cool lady. Now we know she's estranged from her own mother, Althea. I mentioned that in the uh, synopsis. And obviously that is a huge point of both character development and plot in the book, that there's this kind of unspoken thing, this, you know, grandmother and mother who is a celebrity of sorts, who they don't associate with. Yeah, they both have a lot of complicated feelings about that. Yeah. I mean, everything you, you can imagine, uh, feelings of resentment, feeling of desire, dreaming about that person, uh, you know, missing the past while never wanting to go back to it. There's a lot of just complications there. Oh, I so agree. I don't want to talk too much more about Ella. We're going to save some Ella. Um, Finch. Let's talk about Finch. Ellery Finch. Uh, and he has a lot of names. He has a really long name. Yes. What did you think of Ellery? I love Ellery. He's, again, uh, a very complicated character. He grew up very rich. Yes. He's the richest boy in their rich-ass prep school. That's right. And he's... Yes. He kind of has a Bob Dylan cool boy vibe. He has a little bit of a dark side, but not in your typical broody way that you have in some of these books. He's no, because just, he's also incredibly quick-witted. Yes, but very privileged and comes from that. But he knows that it. it's there's a self-awareness to him. Right. Um, which I think is always nice in a teenage character. But um for him it's especially charming. He has a maturity, he has a nerdiness to him. Like 
he shouldn't be at all well regarded at this school except for the fact that like everybody knows who his father is and you know like who his parentage is and that he's like the richest among them but he's really just kind of a a nerd and a bookworm you know kind of like us he loves his first edition books he loves all of his you know, special trinkets that he has that are kind of nerdy, but he has access to all of these because he has access to effectively unlimited funds. Mm -hmm. What I love about him and his relationship with Alice is that the two of them obviously have a lot in common and they get along, but they get along in the way that two people normally do. They don't really get along all the time. They have a lot of differences as well. There's not this immediate wonderful chemistry between the two of them and they never fight and they only you know i get what you're saying it's like the chemistry is obviously there's a spark there that like kind of brings the two of them together but the chemistry grows over time and they really are in very different places when they're together and it's not opposites attracting they're just very different people and want different things out of the moment and their lives yeah they kind of developed a mutual respect for each other so kind of taking a little bit of a digression away from characters, I wanted to just touch on a little bit because we're talking, to, I mean, this book is obviously full of wonderful layers and things, but at its heart, it is a fantasy. And I want everybody to know that there's no shortage of magic and wonder, beautiful, lush fantasy things and I don't want to say tropes because it's kind of negative, but tropes that we love. And they're very well written and have their own sort of original um, flavor. There's a lot of tonal similarities with Neil Gaiman and with The Magicians. Yes, I agree. Lev Grossman's Magicians. Yes. yes. So well, his you, Magicians uh, trilogy. Right. So if you're familiar with really either of those and enjoy them, this is a book that you really should experience. It's, it is very different. Yes. But it has those same tonal feelings. Yeah. And I think... I think it's very relevant. I totally agree. It's got those vibes of um, kind of contemporary fantasy, but it's mixed with like old world fantasy, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. In the kind of dark original fantasy, you know, really original fairy tales ha- are very dark. And oh, yes. this is built in that same sort of pool. Yeah, it's like all stirred in the same magic cauldron of, um, you know, fairy tales and folk tales, which have a darkness in them. And I love it. I love it. I eat it up with a spoon. Let's talk about our appeals before we cut to our spoiler break. You got it. Um, Mine is maybe a little optimistic, but I would say this is mass appeal. Um, I, I don't mean to sound like, I, I know it's hard because it's mass appeal, right? But I really do think that this book could make a connection with a lot of different readers over a huge range of scopes and demographics, because it really touched me. And I'd like to think that it would have that ability to reach out and touch anybody. This book is so good. <laughs> But I think I th- I think that I'm a little bit less optimistic, and I have to say that this has broad appeal. That's fair. Uh, I have a lot of trouble though coming up with anybody who wouldn't enjoy it. Yeah. But there's there's an unrelenting darkness to the story that's not typically expected in a fantasy novel oh, yeah. for the masses. Someone like us who's comfortable with the pre-Disneyed fairy tales are going to have no problem with this kind of a story, but it might be kind of an insurmountable shock to the masses. 
I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, and we love Disney, by the way. We sure do. Oh, for real. <laughs> but yeah, hearkening back to those old, darker fairy tale and folk tales, just keep that in mind when you're reading it. I don't think you'll have any trouble. Well, I really want to talk more about this book, but we're going to have to break open the spoilers to do it. Okay, everybody, go read The Hazelwood and then come right back. Enjoying the show? Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Genre Junkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Let's talk spoilers. So in case it wasn't painfully obvious from the first part of this podcast, Scott and I clearly freaking love this book. We've not talked about this at all until right now with each other. Um, so when I finished this book, um, I cried, which is not totally unusual for me. I'm not a crier, but I've been known to cry at books before. Um, I cried. Uh, there was just something about this book that just moved me to my core. And, and I found so absolutely beautiful and poignant to me. And I think part of that is the fact that there is a, a darkness to this book. It's not your typical fairy tale happy ending, but it's a realistic ending, um, with these beautiful characters. Now I've done a little research and it's, um, not a secret. Everybody knows Melissa Albert is writing at least two more books in this world. I didn't know that. Yes, I don't believe it is about Alice. What I have heard, it's about another character. I'm hoping Finch, but I don't know. And then something else that is, this is the rumor that I heard, is that the other book is going to be the Tales from the Hinterland, all written out. Okay, well, let me start... Let me first say that I will be a, I will be on the front doorstep ready to buy Tales from the Hinterland if yeah. that comes out. I'm not sure if I really want another story in this world. This book <gasps> is just so beautiful on its own. I don't know if I want anything else expanding or spoiling on it. Oh, see, but the thing is, is that she's opened up these doors of endless possibility and endless worlds and these characters that could really be anyone and do anything. I think there's plenty of source material in there. Um, kind of like how J.K. Rowling, you know, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is kind of the same thing. Like, I don't necessarily need Harry Potter's uh, tales anymore, but I want more of these familiar people and places. Well, the way I pictured her world, and maybe this is kind of more what they mean, but I'm afraid it's not, is kind of like Stephen King, where all of his stories really take place in the same world, but they're still very much their own stories. There's there's a connection, obviously. Yeah, a root. Yeah, but you can read one and read another, and they have nothing to do, do with each other. And obviously, if you read them all, you understand that there are connections. They all exist in the same um, multiverse, if you will. Yeah. You would honestly be able to explain it better to me than I will be able to explain no, it to okay. our listeners. No, that's okay. I'm having fun watching you try to explain this. <laughs> but that is what I thought of when I read this book. Is I, mm-hmm. There was a moment when I really thought of Stephen King, and I was like, well, so My basically- My favorite author, so this is hilarious. Right, the stories that are told- become real. Yes. In a different world, in different ways. Mm-hmm. But really, 
they all become real. They're all in their own special little bubbles. And the fact is, you can tell any story and tie it into this world somehow. Well, absolutely. And and I I hope, I mean, we can't really speculate too much about these books that are not out yet. Um, (laughs) But I'm excited for them because I could have used another 100 pages on this book. So I'm totally happy to have more. I want more hook it up to my veins. Can I also just say how happy I am Uh, Yet again, to have tattooed characters in my literature. I love tattoos. I love tattooed characters. Um, There's also some great diversity rep in this book. Um, Ellery Finch is, I believe, black and Jewish. I I missed that. Well, he's definitely black, but maybe I I made up the Jewish part. I missed the black part. Yeah, well, he's biracial. His mom was like a black supermodel from like Ghana or something. I, I forgot to write that down. Okay, well, I mean, that's really cool. I, yeah. I think that that's awesome. I, I'm kind of surprised that I missed that. That's okay. I mean, it's not a big deal. It's just it's just nice to have diversity, of course. I mean, it's important to have diversity. And then there's also some um, same-sex relationship representation as well. All really nice stuff. Diversity, um, I know a lot of us are hungry for it in our fantasy fiction. So that was really cool. So let's talk a little bit about spoiler stuff with characters. Uh, so Alice is a story. That's got to be hard to realize, but she handles it pretty well. She handles it all right. Um, <laughs> Alice three times. Right. I don't know if, I mean, obviously they, they hint very strongly that she is Alice three times and something is about that. What I did yes. not see coming was the way that stories are, stories with a capital S Ugh. are created and, and the lives that they lead. Oh my God. It blew my mind. Um what an original take on a concept of stories within stories. Absolutely beautifully executed to me, where it was just confusing enough sometimes that you're like, this is something kind of new for me. I really like in particular the the idea of having there be a fantasy world that there are fantasy people in that stories are told about. Yes. that That is very much a thing. I love how in this, it's really the opposite. There are stories that are told that create these capital S stories that are just doomed to repeat them over and over and over. And of course, if you have a storyteller who is telling these stories, who's kind of a little deranged, a little sociopathic, then these poor stories have horrible stories. But can I tell you, though? So we were going to, okay, real quick, quick sidebar, sort of bridge to a subject. I'm going to guess your favorite character and you guess mine. All right. My guess is that Finch is your favorite character. He is not my favorite character. <gasps> what? Shock. No, he is not. Okay, before you tell me, guess my favorite character. Okay, I think that Ella is your favorite character. Negative. Okay. Okay. Then I think our favorite character is the same person. The storyteller, the spinner. Wow, no. Oh, that's mine. Oh, Alice is my favorite. I love Alice. Oh, I love everybody. I mean, to say that one is my favorite is almost silly, but um, I loved the idea of the spinner. I want to know what's happened to her now that her world is kind of spun apart. We know that there are other worlds and she's from another world. Actually, there we go. That is a story that I would like to read in that world. Yeah. A story, the prequel, how the storyteller came to be, how the storyteller came to create the hinterland. Because basically what she is, she's a god, a goddess, a divine being. Um, 
We don't know where she came from exactly, but we know she, it wasn't from the hinterlands or from Earth. And Alice gets the very unique experience while she is alive to meet her maker. And she actually kind of reflects on that musingly a little bit here and there. But it's like you have all this power as the spinner. But at the same time, your characters, your stories become fully realized, actualized things. It's almost taking the the age-old sci-fi concept of artificial intelligence and what makes something alive, what makes something human. And it's like, well, these stories are kind of artificial intelligence, except for they're not. They're real breathing people who can become X story. Well, there's a few things that I took from this book that I admittedly may be overreading into this. I don't think so. But one of the things that I took is that anyone can be a storyteller. She talks about Althea as being a, a sort of a storyteller herself. Yeah. Um, Alice ends up escaping by telling her own story. Yeah. And Brilliant. so what I took from this is that anyone can be a storyteller. And really, anyone who tells stories is one. Mm-hmm. But one the storyteller became too obsessed and too in- invested in her own stories. Yes. And also, and I say this kind of jokingly, but don't plagiarize. <laughs> um, Kind of dovetailing off of that, uh, what did you think about Althea as a character? I found her very sad, very compelling. Her and her relationship to her stories, um, her and Ella's relationship. It's really deep stuff when you really start to think about it. She is, in my opinion, the most tragic. She is, she's created this personal hell for herself. Yes. Because of her obsession and her... Thievery. Exactly. And she destroyed, like, a world (laughs) because of it. She ripped holes in it. And at the end of the day, she tries to do the right thing. She tries to exile herself she tries to kill herself but she can't no it is very tragic and it's a fairy tale in and of itself and they talk about althea's stories well obviously they're stories with a capital s um being kind of different than most fairy tales they're similar but they're different because there's no happy ending there's no lessons it's just this really tragic spooky shit happens deal with it that's right and because alice gets what she wants in the end Mm -hmm. but that doesn't just make everything okay there is no actual and then they lived happily ever after no in fact it's very um it's very realistic that her and these ex stories get together for like a self-help group it's almost like al-anon or something where they're kind of helping each other work through this stuff and it's really beautiful and it's very believable stories anonymous Exactly. So in this spoiler section, I think it's really important to to talk a little bit about Ella, because um, so Ella, this absolutely, we come to find flawed, but in the most beautiful way character, because Althea says, oh, Ella never could resist, you know, a little lost lamb. We know that she is the thief. She stole a story. She stole Alice because she wanted to to help her and nurture her and love her and give her a real good life if she could. Their relationship and their dynamic and Alice's feelings of, wow, I am this person's and this person's is mine, was very beautiful. And this concept of an adoptive mother. Do you have any feelings on that, Scott? Oh, I just have a few feelings about that, Sandra. (laughs) 
I really, I really love a story that takes a relationship between a child and their adoptive parents or mm-hmm. parent and makes it unimportant. Yes. I mean, it's obviously an important realization that she was stolen. It's an important realization that Ella is not her biological mother, but there's never a point where she questions whether she is still her mother. Yes. She's still her mom, and she'll always be her mom. And she's, even though the realization that she didn't birth her is a large realization in the book, she never questions at all. It's never a plot point in the book at all about whether she is still her mother or not. And I really appreciate that as an adopted child myself. Yeah. I think that that's very special and that's very poignant. It's very sweet and it's really cool that it's like, this person chose me, I chose this person. And um, she even clocks people who try to say that Ella isn't her mom. She's like, oh no, she's my mom. Yeah. Really, really cool. Really sweet. And there's a really neat point in the book where she does she does talk about the fact that something about the idea that her mom chose her yeah actually makes her feel even closer to her. Absolutely, absolutely. Um so I, I think it's also important to mention in a spoiler capacity the journey that Finch goes on as a character. This is part of what broke me and made me cry. Not just all of it ending and the beautiful ending and the kind of ambiguous ending that it is, but that Finch, our dear little Finch who we grew so close to, is off and he's been living in the margins of her tail and he's fallen in love and he's done all these things and now he's gone off into more stories because nothing could ever really contain this individual it would have been better if he had just died right because now i'm like heartbroken like i wasn't a hundred percent positive that he was dead yeah but i was prepared for him being dead the book really does do a good job of making you think that the stakes are that high yes um and there wasn't like a whole like yes you never saw the body but there wasn't like a whole lot of hinting that he might i, still I be warned alive. him but i was expecting him to either truly be dead yeah or for him to be alive and they would live happily ever after i was not anticipating for him to then be 16 years older have <laughs> well in some ways moved on and made a life for himself and found someone maybe even but at the same time he cared so much about alice that he made it his own personal mission to make sure that he would see their mission through and set her free it's so beautiful the depth of their connection and their commitment and their friendship to each other um i was also really moved that janet um you know made it such a mission too, like to help her and then it was really sweet to run into janet and ingrid in the real world too with their passports yeah which is really cute um I, I'm so happy that only two years had passed on the outside world. I was afraid of how long that was going to be, too. I was expecting, yeah. like, you know, 20, like 30 years. years. Yeah. yeah, and I would not have been able to handle that. It probably would have caused me to have a nurse breakdown. So I, I, I'm glad that was handled well. Oh, she even runs into Audrey, her old stepsister, and she's grown up, too, a little bit. And I don't know. I thought that was really sweet. Um There's just a lot of things about this book that is sweet. That's the best word I can think of for it. If I could just say something about Audrey really quick. Sure. What a, that's another, she's actually a really good example of how complicated and human the characters are. It would be really easy to just make her the evil stepsister, basically. Yeah. And while she is 
kind of vapid and very vain and doesn't doesn't really love Alice very much. The two of them still have a really good relationship. And at the end of the day, and it's not like a huge revelation, she is kind of a nice person. She's she's horrified about about her father pulling a gun on Alice, which was very surprising. But even he, I don't really blame him for that. No, he's just freaked out and kind of dumb. Yeah. And she's... She cared enough to answer her phone calls. She cared and enough some to questions. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she definitely didn't come to her rescue. They didn't have that kind of a relationship. Oh, she's not that kind of heroine. She didn't show up in <laughs> Act 5 and suddenly she's part of the plot to break her out, but she's just still a good person. Yeah, I thought so too. She's at least real. She felt real. Right. So I don't know where these next books kind of hinterland Hazelwood adjacent are going to lead us. I'm a little bit torn into uh, the fangirl part of me wants my OTP uh, Alice and Finch to, you know, find each other and everything. And then there's a part of me that's happy with them being on their own separate journeys. So I don't know. I'm just really excited to see if these two characters are going to find each other again. And if there's something unrequited there. And if there's not, I'm okay with it. But a little part of me will, you know, the trash can fire fangirl part of me will be a little disappointed. The fanfic part of me absolutely wants them to get together. But Alice comes out of there a different person. And he does too. And the people that they were at the beginning of the book, there are completely different characters. They're completely different people than what they were before. So they may not even really be compatible anymore. I don't know. That's part of the fun, I guess. I suppose. And I, I would disagree with you. I don't think they're completely different, but they're changed. They're definitely changed. Terribly changed. But obviously, their hearts are still the same because no matter what age you are, what you go through, I think your heart's always the same. I think that's actually one of the main points of this story. Yes, I would agree. You guys, this book is heartbreakingly beautiful, absolutely wonderful, funny, blindingly, staggeringly amazing, in my humble opinion. (laughs) Not to overstate things, but I freaking loved it. So um, I'd like to hear how many stories out of out of five stories you would give this book. I have a guess. Five stories. That's pretty high. That's a lot of stories. Um, When I'm really breaking it down and thinking about it in my head, there is not anything I would change or anything that I would have wanted her to expand on or kind of shy away from or that didn't work for me. So in all fairness, I would have to say with those parameters and also the connection it gave me, I'd give it five out of five stories. I literally can just throw my notes away because almost <laughs> word for word, you wrote down my notes for my my execution score. Yes. Um, it is five stories out of five stories. To me, this is truly a perfect book. It doesn't have yeah, damn. any yeah. kind of cliffhanger that requires anything else to come from it and sure we can have some more but it, it's just it's perfect in and of itself mm-hmm. um it has immediately made its way to my personal top shelf of books i don't pick favorites i don't have a you know top 10 but <laughs> this is on my top shelf this is this will be remembered and cherished by me yes. forever 
It's that good. It really is that good. I 100% agree. Um, this will be reread. This will be recommended to just about anybody, like I said, that I come in contact with. Two quick notes. I didn't want to say too much before the spoilers, but Lev Grossman's The Magician's Trilogy um, goes a little bit deeper uh, with the psychology and a whole bunch of stuff. But this is really akin to that sort of spinoff of the fantasy genre. I think that was really apt. And also, you guys, the physical edition of this book is freaking gorgeous. It is absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And so are the end papers. So I think this is a cool thing to have um, in your collection. Well, thank you for joining me, Sandra. And me, Scott. Thank you so much. Your resident genre junkies. And as always, we beg you, please keep reading Passionate Time.